Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Debbie, I get it. I know. <laughs> Miracles happen every day, Debbie. I know. This is a biggie. <laughs> is it nine o'clock? Okay, Debbie, we're live, apparently. So I am, uh, my name is Ruthie Sperlin, and I am here taking over the mikvah.org account for the next 45 minutes about. Um, I usually play, my role is the role of college teacher, but I also have one other role. Um, I have a few, but one other role, and that is a safety kid presenter. So before I continue, I think it's really important that we all meet and um, get a real introduction to the creator um, of Safety Kid, who this is her baby. This is what she does. She um, has, I don't know what the word is, kind of like saving kids all over the United States of America and beyond. So here's Debbie. Debbie, I'll give the floor over to you for a few minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Ruthie. Always Always good to see you, Ruthie. Always good to work with you. Um, my name is Debbie Fox, and I am the founder and director of Maganiela Dim, and we we are the the mom and pop, so to speak, of Safety Kid. Um, and um, Safety Kid was developed as a program that was culturally sensitive, that could bring any type of mostly sexual abuse prevention, any type of prevention of of inappropriate touch into our world, into the Orthodox world. And it's been incredible because it went from beginning in the modern Orthodox world, who were the first to accept it, uh, and then moving to the more yeshivish world who really wanted it. We developed another version, and then we actually have it now in Spanish, we have it in Flemish, and we have a totally Hasidish version that is 100% Yiddish. So what that means is that our world, our broad world is really here. We're really present and we all want to work together towards protecting our children. That's what it means. Um, and so I will tell you that I think we figured out it was about nine years ago that we came to Crown Heights for the first time. Hurricane um, Sandy. That's how I know. And we had had these amazing training days, amazing training days. Um, in Crown Heights, in 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 Oala Torah, right? Yep. That's where it was. A amazing days of training, um, just very intense and really wonderful. And um, and I remember that one night uh, I did a parent workshop, and the room was packed. And they asked us to come back the second night. And I was with Yair Cohn, and he did the second night, and he did a parent workshop. And then Hurricane Sandy Sandy came which I'm sure everybody remembers. And they asked us, I think it was the night after or two nights after to come back and do a third one. And we were in this much smaller school and in, in a big lunchroom or something. And they had to bring benches in from outside play yards to accommodate people who were standing everywhere who just wanted to hear about the program. And here we are nine years later and um, and Crown Heights still has the safety code program, still devoted to teaching this program to your children. 
I want to tell you that you're very fortunate because you have several of my star presenters. I want to tell you that Ruthie has, um, have, has traveled with me all over the country. She hasn't made it to Mexico City yet. Yeah. Or, or, I'd love to. That'd be right. fun. They're, in a great, they're a great group. She and I could do Spanish. Uh, you do? Uh, yeah. They do. They do. We have it all in Spanish. So we have, she hasn't made it to Mexico City or Belgium yet. But she's traveled all over the United States with me. Um, and we've had incredible experiences bringing the program to cities all over the United States. And Ruthie's forte, her specialization is getting in and working with these kids and making it real. Um, our goal is to teach prevention without any fear factor, without making them no uncomfortable fear. at all, with keeping it very comfortable. And that's what we want to teach you about today. We want Ruthie to really do most of the teaching today. I'm going to chime in because that's what I do. Can't be too quiet around here. But um, what we want Ruthie to do is do what she does and teach these kids as you have you see how she teach the, teaches the kids and talks to the kids because everything she says, you can say. What we want you to look for are windows of opportunity. Times that different things happen at home and you say, that's a window of opportunity. I could bring that up. This would be a good time to say that. Um, when you get lost, what are the three things you need to do, which Ruthie's going to teach you, right? If you've gone to a park or something. So something happens and your little one got lost for a little while, point it out. If you go into a big store, um, you might say, hey, do you know who the, the three safe helpers are? And you're going to learn that soon too. So what I'm saying is you're going to want to look for windows of opportunity so that you can utilize some of what Ruthie's going to teach you today. So Ruthie, go for it. No pressure. So before I start, I just want to give everybody a little bit. I know that a lot of people are joining that are not from Crown Heights, and I appreciate that. And I think it's fantastic. I do want to point out a couple of important things. Um, what caused this Insta Live to happen? Um, little side note, I think it's my first Instagram anything. Debbie's, I'm not sure about you, but I think it's both of us. Oh um, you should have seen the panic yesterday. Um, but today we're good. Um, and the the reason why this happened was because for those of you that follow mukfa.org, um, a tremendous, amazing organization um, of which I'm lucky to be a part of. I'm a college teacher through mukfa.org. Um, they did a beautiful seminar, a webinar series uh, about six weeks ago on how to talk to your kids in different age groups and how to sensitive topics. Um, going through like ele preschool, elementary, high school, what's appropriate, what's appropriate words to use. And in the younger ages, one of the presenters, Rifki Biarski, kept referencing a few times what Safety Kid talks about and what Safety Kid teaches. And because of that, interest was peaked. You know, people are asking, what's Safety Kid? What's Safety Kid? What's Safety Kid? So um, one of my fellow college teachers, Rifki Biarski, she um, reached out to the coordinator of Safety Kid in Crown Heights, Brachi Kogan. And that's how this happened. And um, and after this, um, I think Rosh Sivan, there's going to be with Debbie, not with me, um, a further education, parent education on um, on talking to your children. I think that, um, and I'm going to do one more thing. I hope nobody minds. But like Debbie said, nine years ago, Olitera was packed, crowded. We had 30 volunteers volunteering to be safety kid parents. And um, some of us are not around so much anymore. And we need more. We need more parents training in, in Crown Heights. I just did pre-1A first and second in early term by myself. I had a blast. It was a lot of fun. I was happy that they let me back in. But we need more. We need more. We need more. And we need more. And after you hear what I'm going to say tonight, what Debbie has so graciously taught me how to teach, 
hopefully it will inspire you because this is, if I tell you what the best part about Safety Kit is for me, is when I go back once a year, um, the pro how it progresses and how it changes. We, we, we teach it in preschool, which I don't do, but my, my sister does. We teach it with a certain way of speaking. And then when we get to first, second, and third, it's another way of speaking. And then we get into fourth and fifth. And by that point, it's, it's, it's like this for them. And not only that, but in fourth and fifth, Debbie created a second safety kit, like addendum to like giving the kids scenarios and they have to be their own problem solvers. That is like, that. that's what we want. We want them to figure out because every scenario that I'm going to give you tonight doesn't always happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I'll, I'll even give an example when I, when I get to it. So let's get started. So we teach um, safety, the rules of safety with the A, B, C, and Ds. The reason why we use the A, B, C, and Ds, especially when I'm teaching younger classes, is because it's a way to remember. It's an easier way to remember. And we start with the A of safety. I'm going to try to hold up my cards. I hope everybody can see them. Um, the first rule of safety is A, ask for help. So in this picture, we have the A, ask for This is safety kit. So after every presentation, we show a video of safety kit going through all the rules. And in this picture, I talk to the kids and I tell them, it depends on age. Sometimes I have to let them know what's happening. And usually I like to hear from them. It depends on the age, it depends on the classroom, it depends on the amount of kids in the class. But generally speaking, I'll show them this picture and I'll ask them, ask them, what do you see happening in this picture? And clearly they all raise their hand and they'll say, oh, there's a fire. And then we talk about a fire being an emergency. And the whole discussion becomes, how do you, A, ask for help in an emergency? And um, we go through that. Who do you call? So most of the kids pick up the phone and call 911. We call, we do pick up the phone, you call 911. So interestingly enough, how has this evolved in nine years? In nine years, it has evolved into, we don't have a house phone. I only have my mom and dad's cell phone. What do we do? So I, I generally try my best to tell them that when you go home, I, I, I'm giving you very little homework, but when you go home, ask your mother and father, what should you do if you have a cell phone? There's an emergency. They're not around and you need to bypass their code. Everyone's phones, please have phones. Please have codes. That's the size point. Um, how do you bypass the code for an emergency? And you have to teach them how. You'd be surprised when I ask how many kids have a house phone. Maybe half the time, especially in the younger grades. How many of your homes have a, have a house phone? Very, very few. So it's something that they need to know how to do. You're not always going to be there if in an emergency. Hospital shouldn't happen, right? Um, so in, and in a fire specifically, I ask them who's going to come help. And they'll raise their hand, firemen, atzala, ambulance. I do try to... When I'm, in other, when I'm in other states doing safety care, like when I was in Philadelphia, I was in Florida, Hatsala, I don't know how, you know, so we, we say 911 in general. We don't give them Hatsala's number, but that's it depending. It's a case specific in that respect. Um, and then I tell them um, one important rule about calling 911. Don't hang up the phone. If you don't know where you are and you don't know the address of where you are, how is, how is the policeman going to find you? How are the firemen going to find you? Don't press end. Don't hang up the phone. Like this, they could always find you. They because there's a special computer chip, a GPS. Again, depending on the age that I'm talking to, it all depends. Um, sometimes I spend a little bit more time. Sometimes I spend I spend a little less time. You know, we talk about. Go ahead, Debbie. I want to share a story, Ruthie. Go ahead about the power of of this message because the other thing we tell them when we say don't hang up the phone is if you're in an emergency situation, you don't know what to do. You need an adult. If you've called 911, you need that adult. We had, uh, we went, I went with a team to Denver, Colorado um, a few years ago. And then I went back last year. 
And when I went back, um, we were talking, I said to these boys, I was doing a group of boys and they were like in seventh grade or so. And I said, real quickly, I'm not gonna go over 911 with seven great boys in great detail. They know what 911 is, right? So I said, well, has anybody ever called 911 in the past that past year, you, in the past couple of years, you can tell us about it. And one boy raises his hand and starts to cry. I had no idea what had happened. And he says he was in a car accident with his parents. Both of his parents were unconscious. He pulled the phone out of his father's pocket and called 911. The lady said, the 911 operator said, uh, okay, I'm gonna hang up now. Someone will be there soon. And he said, don't you hang up on me. You're not allowed. That's right. And she waited and he said it took about 10 minutes. And he said he was so scared because he didn't know what to think. His parents were unconscious. And he kept asking her questions and talking and getting reassurance. No child should be alone. If there is an emergency, if they've needed to call, they have to stay on the phone until 911 arrives. So, And I also, I hope that most of them have fire safety because if the fire is happening in your house, don't call from your house, call your neighbor. But that's a whole, right. you know, fire safety is a whole. We do, we do, um, also point out sometimes you're really nervous and you're anxious and you might forget to call 911 and you could just press zero. I, I, it's not, like I said, depending on the age, how much information I give, um, how interactive I can be. Um, and we do discuss what an emergency is, you know, an emergency is something that's dangerous. That's something that's a little bit scary. The adult isn't there possibly to help you. And this is, these are the situations where you may have to call 911. Um, for some kids, depending on their age, I'll ask them if they know their parents' cell phone number by heart. If they don't, it's time to go home and to review. Like we have this card that tells you 911 is reachable in the whole United States and having your parents' information, having this information hanging on the refrigerator, anything like that, knowing that information is really, really helpful. Then we get to the second part of A of Ask for Help. And with this, I start with a story. I give a somewhat dramatic story that's Possibly some may have happened to me and my children. We went to an amusement park or um, or when we went to Walmart and we got lost. But depending on if I'm teaching boys, if I'm teaching girls, the age of them, I change up the story of how or where one of my children got lost in, um, in a public place. So I actually had someone raise their hand in pre-1A. In pre-1A, I'm like, what's public? I had to go back and I had to explain what public means. And, and, and again, so with this whole scenario that I give of the story of the child that got lost, he finds himself alone without me. And um, we have this little stop sign. And we first start and we tell them, okay, if you get lost, the first thing to do is stop. You do not run around the whole store, the whole amusement park screaming your mother, father's name. You stop. You pause. You don't, don't panic. Everything's going to be fine because I'm going to teach you what to do. I'm going to teach you how to A, ask for help if you get lost. And a lot, I reiterate a, ask for help. I say it a lot over and over and over again because I want them to get it in their mind. I want them to be able to go home and tell you, okay, Ma, A stands for ask for help and B, and we're going to, and I say it over and over and over again because I want them, I want those rules to be what they think of. And then I tell them to look, stop where you are, turn around in a circle, look with your eyes and look, don't run around, stay where you are, just turn around in a circle because maybe your mother, your father, the adult that brought you is. Um, is looking for you. And then I tell them I don't know if I, you, that you yell. You stop, you look, and then you yell. Um, and I ask, I'll, say, I'll point out one child, what's your name, what's your last name? And they'll tell me them. 
And I say, mommy, with your last name. There's a lot of mommies. Say your last name too. And then you have to stop yelling and you have to listen. You have to stop. You have to look. You have to yell. You have to listen. If then I tell them, okay, you still didn't find your mommy or your tati or whoever brought you to wherever you are, the adult that brought you, whatever it might be. And then I tell them, okay, so now who are you going to ask for help? Who do you A, ask for help if you get lost in a public place? And then I tell them that. I walk around the classroom, I show them the picture, and I tell them that in this picture, there are what we call safe helpers. There are three safe helpers, like Debbie said. Who are they? And they point out a few, most of them will point out the cashier. And I ask them, or I say the cashier, anybody works in the store, but how do you know that someone works in the store? And we, we, I, may, I want them to understand that you need to look for someone in a uniform, someone with a badge. Everyone in Target has a red t-shirt with a white circle on it, right? Or I'll tell them, or they'll point out the security guard. The security guard is a safe helper. We use the word safe helper a lot. There are three safe helpers. And then there's one more safe helper in that picture. And that is a mommy with children. And one of the things that I've started to really emphasize with them is that the safe helper's job is to bring your mommy or your tati to you, not to take you to their office to go look for the tati and the mommy. There, you stay in a public open place with a lot of other people and there they'll go on the intercom, they'll call them on the cell phone um, and they will bring your tati and your mommy to you. So I wanted to point out one interesting thing that happened when I was doing Oli Terum. And this is a shout out to Rabbi Barnett. Um, he, he raised his hand in the middle of my class and he goes, but Mrs. Sperlin, what happens? And this is really for the kids, their father's Davin in 770. What happens if a Yingala gets lost in 770? There is no mommy with children. There is no cashier and there is no security guard. What should we do? So I don't know Debbie, if you've ever seen 770 on the men's side, but child can look, can be lost in the masses. Um, so it was really, it was very interactive. And in the end, we came up with a really good solution. The solution that we came up with was number one, if you always go with your Tati to 770, make up with your Tati beforehand, where are you going to meet him if you can't find him? But you do not go downstairs to the bathrooms yourself and you do not leave 770. But then really, the, if you don't always go to 770, what did we come to the conclusion was in 770, there's a lot of bleachers and benches and the bima. Go to the bima. Stand on the bima, stand up high, up top of up where you're higher than everybody else, and then whoever brought you to 770 is going to find you. But do not leave, do not walk home yourself, and do not go downstairs by yourself. It was a very, it was actually very, very fun. These were pre-1A boys, and it was so fascinating how I, at first I was like, oh, you and he was the one who we, we we came to the conclusion together, which was really fun. So I just want to say one of the important things you said is prepare your children. Before your children go to a shul, whether it's 770 or whether it's a shul, whatever it is, they need to know the rules from you. You need to prepare them. What would you do? And the other thing is, here's my little window of opportunity, whether it's there or you go to a store with your child. I once took my grandson to a store and he was about seven or so. And I, in, in the middle of the store, we were in Seasons in Passaic, and I said, what would you do if you couldn't find me right now? How would you find a safe helper? And he looked around fascinatingly. It was about like six o'clock at night. He goes, there is no mommy with children. There wasn't. I was pretty shocked. 
then he looks around and he goes, I don't see a security guard. So I said, well, then who's the third one? He said, a cashier, but he's not a cashier. He works at the deli, he tells me. I said, okay, that's fine if he works here. I said, come on, we're going to go over and ask him what he would do. No, I'm so embarrassed. I said, okay, I'll ask. So I walk him over and I say, excuse me, sir, I want to ask you something. If my grandson came to you and said, I'm sorry, I can't find my mommy, what would you do? He said, I would tell him to come to the security guard who's right there near the door. He said, and tell the security guard to call his mom on the PA system. So I said to him, you see, it wasn't that scary, but you do have to figure it out. And we as parents have to give them these live opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. natural. It's not scary. No, it's not scary. And it happens and you have to prepare them for it. And that's what we do. A, ask for help. And then I go over again how to ask for help in an emergency, how to ask for help if you get lost. And like I said, you don't go to the, I repeat, I said, you don't go to the parking lot to look for your, for your mommy. She's not leaving without you. She's not. Um, I do want to point out one other thing that I really do try to do and try to remember before I walk into any classroom. And that is talk to the Rebbe or the teacher and, um, and ask them if there are any children in the classroom who are single parent home um, so that I can be sensitive in the words that I use. Or if I call on a child, make sure that I don't you know, make sure that I'm sensitive to the situation that's going on in the classroom. Um, I will admit that I don't always remember, but I try. I really do try. Um, and that is a ask for help. I think I think we covered that in a nutshell. And then and then I will say also um, in the third, in the fourth and fifth grade, problem solving, troubleshooting. They don't even have there are there is like like Debbie said, there is no mommy with children to ask for help. It's exactly what the girls in fourth and fifth grade have to figure out on their own, which is really beautiful. It's a, oh, it's so well done. Okay, so now we get to B, bring a friend. So B, bring a friend is, it's probably the easiest and the shortest one to teach. And, um, and, it's, and, and depending on the age, I've added a little bit. When I'm teaching younger kids, I just tell them a lot. I do, I will say that I, I wanted to also talk to a lot of mothers and, and I'm not gonna change any culture in any community, but I will say that um, when, I, when I ask them, you know, at the, I tell them like this. I say, I'm gonna tell you safety kids rule. I don't know what the rule is in your house, but I'm going to teach you safety kids rule on how to stay safe. And I tell them, seven-year-old Ingolach should really not be going anywhere by themselves. That's what I tell them. I do get a few hands. I do. I walk to my bubby. I say, I know that you have a different rule, but I am telling you that it's always safer to be, bring a friend. If you're going to show, if you're going to school, if you're going to the park, if you're coming home, it's always safer to bring a friend. I will point out that one of the things I tell when I teach, well, I don't teach older boys in Crown Heights when I taught in other communities and when I teach older girls. And if they go to shul every, um, every Shabbos, I do tell them that on Shabbos, you can't use a phone. There's, if, if you're nervous, if you're walking home by yourself, it's important that your parents know exactly the route you take to get home. The route that you take to go to show, the route that you take to go to school, so that if your mother decides to pick you up one day from school, she knows exactly where to find you because you always go the same way. I, and then I tell them, basically, that if you ever do go anywhere alone, your parents want to know three things. They want to know where you are, who you're with, and when you're coming home. That's what they need to know. So this really applies to fourth, third, fourth, fifth graders more. And I tell them, when you leave mommy's house to go to your friend, say, Ma, I'm leaving. When you get to your friend's house, call your mother and say, Ma, I'm here. And when you're ready to leave, 
Call your mother, say, Ma, I'm leaving. I'm coming home. So your mother has a time frame to know when you're walking back in the door. But again, like Debbie said, when we prepare them, when we let them know that this is what we expect of them, and when we teach them that it's not safe, I tell them, so I'm, I'm a mommy and I don't like going anywhere myself. I'm not at night for sure. I like having someone with me. It's just safer. And we talk about having a buddy. With wherever, we use the word B for buddy as well. But like I said, it's, it's, it's really simple and basic that you're just safer if you're with someone else. If you get lost, maybe your friend knows where you are. If you hurt yourself, your friend can ask for help. It's, it's basic. It's basic. And I really think that as parents, we, especially in a community like Crown Heights, it's really like we, we get accustomed to our kids walking places by themselves. But at least give them these, these safety tools to, to know what to do to let you know where they are and when they're coming home. Anything to add, Debbie? One tiny thing, which is yep. even when kids are walking together, it could be an, a, you know, a sibling, it could be a friend, it can be just as long as the parent knows who it is. Right. But one of the things we also teach kids is that when they're walking together, when they're outside, especially when you're in a community like Crown Heights, but anywhere, what we tell kids is if people try to stop you in the street and ask you for directions or ask you where something well, is, do not answer. Any adult who knows how to drive, mostly they have GPS, but even if they don't, if an adult can drive a car, they can figure out where they need to exactly. get. They do not need your children to advise them on where to get. The minute your child answers the question, I don't know, or my mommy says I can't do, or it's the house over there or whatever, they are engaged. They are pulled. Exactly. And you don't want them to be pulled into anything that could land them in, in a unsafe situation. situation. So the thing is, they don't need to save adults. If adult can, can, can get there, if he can drive a car, if he can do whatever, then the adult can do that. The other Absolutely. piece that add to that is... Sometimes, I sometimes put that in by check first, I think. Okay. But yeah. And the, but the other little piece is never to allow anybody to take pictures of them, which happens in those kinds of settings as well. Right. And if anybody ever does, um, that they should um they should tell their parent immediately what just happened who took the picture whatever it is but they should not allow people to take pictures of them absolutely absolutely um and that's okay that's something i'll get to in a couple minutes but that and by the way if anybody's interested there are two bring a friend cards there's the girl bring a friend card and there's the boy bring a friend card we have both depending on the school that we're teaching in then we have the next rule of safety. And before I go on to the next rule of safety, I say, okay, A stands for, that's for help. B stands for, everyone says, bring a friend. And then we get to C. And C has a few different components of check first. C stands for check first. And, and, and I go through what's happening in this picture, again, depending on the age, depending on, um, and how much, on where they're holding in their attention span at this point. But really what we talk about, the first card of the first of the rules of safety of check first is all about checking first before you answer the door and checking first before you answer the phone and again this is where i point out safety kids rule i am i know that we all have different rules in our homes but i do make a point to say that it is not it is we do not answer the door we do not pick up a phone regardless if you're in second grade or even third grade or even fourth grade without checking first with the adult in charge in your house. And then I tell a really true story, again, depending on the age that happened to me in my house. I think it was last year, maybe it was two years ago. And I, the doorbell rang. My, my daughter, who was nine at the time, who knows her safety rules, 
I was in the kitchen. You can't see the front door from my kitchen. And she opened the door and I, I'm like, who's there? And I walk out and there is a man standing in the middle of my living room, just standing there. And I was, I was taken aback. I was home alone. It was me and my daughter. And I looked at him and I said, can you please go to the door? And I'll come to the door to see what it is that you want. He literally walked into my house, was standing in my living room. So I don't always tell this to all the kids that, I, that I'm teaching, but I do want them to understand that it doesn't matter what the person looks like who's ringing the doorbell. They have to know that they cannot answer the door without checking first with the adult in charge. And you, it, it doesn't matter. If it's marketplace, you say, Ma, marketplace is at the door. What do you want me to do? Your mother's busy. Your hands are full. If she, if she sees on the cap, that's once your mother gives you permission, I'm not going to, I'm not going there. But the idea is you must check first. It might even be someone that you know, but maybe, maybe your mother's not ready to, to open the door. Like one of the kids today in, in the second grade class was like, what if my mom is nursing the baby and she can't open the door? It was, and I said, that's a perfect example. And, and you're not ready. Even if it's your friend, your mother says, give me two minutes to go upstairs. You know, I, I, I want them to understand that it can be someone that they know. It could be someone that looks like them. And it could, it's still not okay to do that without um, checking first. And then I go into answering the phone. Well, I always answer my mother's phone. I always answer my father's phone. No, no. We don't know who's on the other line all the time. And even if we do, we don't know um, if your mother's ready to talk. We don't know if she's able to talk right now. But if you do, and then I go through like a little scenario we role play about if I'm calling your house and you pick up the phone and, and what you should do. Like if I start asking you questions, do you answer? Do you not? Should you have answered that? We do a little bit of role, play, role playing back and forth just to make them, uh, to get them to know that if they do pick up the phone by accident, it's totally okay, totally okay for them to hang up and just not even. And if someone starts answering them, answering questions, what are you supposed to say? My mommy's not available and then hang up the phone. Never say your mother's not home. Never give information. Never give your name anything like that. That's a whole, um, that's, pick, that's answering the phone and answering the door. Anything to add, Debbie? Okay. So then we get into, and this, this, um, the whole idea of checking first before changing a plan. Checking first has usually three components, checking first before changing a plan. And, um, in this picture, you see there's two boys walking home, their friend, their father's offering them a ride. I don't start that way. I really ask them, you know, this is the funniest. I ask, you know, I say, who is taking the bus home? And a few boys raise their hand. Who is getting picked up from school? A few boys raise their hand. Who is um, getting driven home? And then I say, okay, everybody put your hands down. And then I'm like, who has no idea how they're going home today? And they literally look at me like, what? Of course we know how we're going home today. Um, and I'm like, okay, that means that everyone in this classroom has a plan on how you're going to get home. You have a plan between you and your mommy and the school, your parents, you have a plan on how you're going home. Now let's say, and I'll go over to two boys, let's say, um, and I ask his name, Shimmy, um, got a brand new, and depending on the age, a brand new Ninjago, and he wants his best friend sitting next to him, Srelly, to come to his house to play. And Srelly gets on, on Shimmy's bus and he goes to Shimmy's house after school. How do you think Srelly's mommy is gonna feel when he doesn't come home when he's supposed to? And this is the cutest because some of them make these sad faces and they go sad, worried. It's very, it's, it's very sweet because they understand. And I tell them, I said, before you change a plan, you absolutely must check first. You must check first before you change a plan. And then I ask them, how do you check first? Like, what does it mean? Because they don't necessarily know. 
And they're like, you call home? You go to the office and you call home? I'm like, yeah, that is how you change a plan. That's how you check first. You And if you can, you really, really want to go to your friend's house, but you can't get through to your mommy, what do you do? And they all look at me with these sad faces and they say, you go home. You know, I, I try to get them involved so that I understand how they're feeling, but they can't go if they didn't get, they, they didn't speak to their mother or their father. And then we get into one more scenario about checking first and changing the plan. And that is, um, I use this picture to explain it. And I, and I ask them, I say, you know, I, I, I tell them to close the, I say, I want everyone to use their imaginations. So, so three weeks ago, it was amazing when we did this because they were all, they really appreciated it because it was freezing cold and snowstorming. And I said, everybody close your eyes and I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that outside right now, it is boiling hot. It's boiling hot. And you came to school with your short sleeve uniform shirt, no coat, no jacket, no scarf, no mittens, no boots, just your sneakers, your uniform, and your backpack. And now I want you to use your imagination a little bit more. I want you to imagine that it's pouring rain outside when you walk out the door. And you have to walk to your Bubby's house today. And there's no way you're getting to Bubby's house without being soaking wet. And I tell them, I said, okay, open your eyes. And then I show them this picture. And I tell them, I said, now imagine you're about to walk in the pouring rain with your brother or whoever. And your friend's father asks you, you want to ride? I'll drive you home. Um, and I asked them, I said, what do you need to do? What would you do in such a situation? And, and at this point, they get it. They say, we have to check first. And I tell them, how do you check first? You, we call our mom. I say, how? Um, and they say, they say, oh, well, we could use the taxi cell phone to call our mommy. I said, okay, but what do you need to do? I tell them, you need to make sure that you hear your mommy's voice. That you hear your mommy saying that it's okay to get into that car. And I actually have, do we have time? I have, I have a really good story that's actually really true that really happened to me. Um, and this, remember, you've got about 15 minutes. That's it? We yeah. can go a little longer, right? Okay, a little longer. I have to tell the story because it really happened. I was on my block and it was pouring rain one day. and and um, all my, I get a phone call from my son at 9.02 from the corner grocery. Ma, um, the bus didn't come. So I'm like, okay, I'm in my car. I said, I'll come to the corner. And there was eight boys on the corner. And I said, okay, guys, come on in. I'll give you a ride. And I had literally just finished Safety Kid, probably like two months before in Holy Terror. And one of the boys who knows me, who plays in my house all the time, got right in the car. Another boy who knows me, he goes, I can't get in the car without calling my mother. I was like, are you kidding me? It's pouring rain and you know who I am. He would not get in the car. He called his mother, put his mother on speaker. And um, she said, yay, bravo, Mendel. And yeah, you can go with Mrs. Sperlin. In the end, the bus showed up after we called, like three mothers, the bus was there. So I'm just letting you know that if we teach them and we do it over and over and over again, they know the rule. They know what they have to do. And then we have the last rule of see check first. And that is checking first before you, um, before you take anything from anyone that you don't know. Checking first. Um, like Debbie was like, well, this is where we really talk about if someone approaches you when you're walking with your friend, what you're supposed to do. And I tell them, what can you do quickly that a car cannot do? Like a car rolls down his window and you, like Debbie says, don't engage. But what else can you do? And I tell them, you could turn around quickly. That car can't. You and your friend turn around and walk the other way. It's called run, scream, and make a scene if that's necessary, if that's what you have to do. But I really do tell them mostly that adults don't ask children for help. Adults ask other adults for help. And, and I tell them the importance of why can you have a candy man in your show? Why can you take candy from your candy man? And at this point, they're like, because our Tati's know who he is. Right? 
it's all, once they hear it and they hear it again, imagine if they're hearing this when they're preschool, then they're hearing it in first grade with a different scenario. Imagine how, how, how we're protecting them and we're giving them the tools. We're giving them the tools to, um, to problem solve themselves. That's the idea, to, to protect themselves. That is ultimately the idea of Safety Kid and the entire curriculum. Anything else, Debbie? Yep. Okay. So now we come to the final rule of D do tell. And D do tell, we also have two cards. We have the girl card and we have the boy card. And basically, we talk about, we first talk about what we, we all know that when we're by a pool, when we're by the beach, there's tons of safety rules that we follow. We um, make sure if we can't swim, we stay in the shallow one. There's a lifeguard. There's someone watching us. We're always keeping ourselves safe when we're at the pool. And then I, then I tell them, I said, there's one more thing that these children are doing to keep themselves safe at the pool, at the beach. What are they doing? They are wearing bathing suits. And I, I learned, I've learned not to say how are, does a bathing suit keep you safe because then they, they, I just tell them. A bathing suit keeps you safe because a bathing suit keeps your private parts covered. And your private parts are private. Private means that they belong to you and no one else. No one is allowed to look at, touch, no one's allowed to look at your private parts, touch your private parts, or talk to you about your private parts. You are not allowed to look at someone's private parts, talk about someone's private parts, or touch someone's private parts. And if someone does talk to you about your private parts, or touch your private parts, or look at your private parts, that is an automatic do tell. That is a do tell. You scream no as loud as you can. You run as fast as you can. And you do tell. You tell an adult that you trust in your life. You do tell. You tell your mother. You tell your father. I have a do tell. A do tell means that someone made you feel icky or uncomfortable, talked to you in a way that you didn't like, and it is never okay and is an automatic do tell. Then in a lot of classrooms, I'll, do, I'll practice with them the no run tell rule. I make them all stand up. We count to three, three, they scream no, they run in place, then they sit them on their desk. I have a do tell, I have a do tell, I have a do tell. I want them to get the word do tell. I want them to understand what it means that they have something important that they have to tell. And at, go ahead. I just wanted just a point I would make, I would want to um, just throw in here just is that concept of teaching your kids the uncomfortable feeling and you as a parent modeling that. Because any time that your child is uncomfortable, they basically need to no run tell. They may not have to say no because nothing may have happened, but they need to get out of it and they need to tell you. And you can model that as parents. It's a window of opportunity. Uh, I, I don't know if you have this in Crown Heights here in Los Angeles. We have a lot of homeless people. It's great weather out here. And we walk down streets and there are homeless people sleeping all over. It's an opportunity for us to say, you know what, I'm going to cross the street. I'm not comfortable. So I'm going to walk away. But there are other situations that you as moms are uncomfortable in. Maybe a person makes you feel uncomfortable. I, I took my granddaughter to a fabric store to get fabric for her bus mitzvah for the tables. And we went in and out on all these stalls in the fabric district and she was just fine. And one of them, she just looked at me. She said, Safta, I need to go out. And she didn't want to talk about it. And then that night I went to say goodnight. We were sitting and talking and she said, 
you told me if I'm uncomfortable, I have to get out of a place. I said, yeah, she said, that man made me uncomfortable. He paid too much attention to me. He stood too close. We want to start teaching them about that uncomfortable feeling to prevent being in other situations. To tell you to respect it. Uh -oh. okay. Whether it's a family member, whether it's 100%. a sibling, you need to hear them and you need to respect it. So it's one of those windows of opportunity that you can respect that and listen. You want them to be aware of the uncomfortable feeling. And when I when I talk to them, especially the older girls and, and some and I get by the third, by the fourth or fifth grade and we start talking about private parts, some of the girls will look at each other and they'll Google and they'll be like, I said, okay, that feeling that you're feeling right now, like you're feeling a little bit like not even just I said that's a that's a feeling you can recognize that you're not so comfortable. That like uncomfortable feeling. Uh, and it's important that you should recognize it and understand it. And that is something that you could talk about. Like Debbie said, it's not necessarily that someone actually touched you. Someone just looked at you or made you feel icky or uncomfortable. Recognize it and then tell. You need to tell. And I, I, you know, I let them know that their body belongs to them. They are in charge. And if they're uncomfortable, they say no. One, they, one yeah. additional thing I just want to make sure that we add, I think you probably were going to, but um, I'm very specific and I know that Ruthie is too, which is when we say that, we'll say nobody is allowed to touch or look at and talk at. So what does that mean, nobody? And I'll say things like, um, would, uh, would, would your brother or a sister be able to touch or look at or talk about your body? No. What would happen if a brother or a sister would touch or look at or talk about your body? That's an automatic do tell. You need to tell me immediately. Um, what about an uncle or an aunt or even a grandparent? Would they be allowed to touch your body? Never. That's an automatic do tell. How about even a Rebbe? Would a Rebbe be able to? And when I'm in a boy's classroom, I tell the Rebbe in advance that I'm going to bring that up. Because the Rebbe will usually chime in, no, no Rebbe would do that, right? But you need to give the examples. Nobody means nobody. And if it happens, it's an automatic do tell automatically. Ruthie, I'm just going to just warn you. It's about 640 now. So, okay. Okay. I'm going to try my best. I'm almost done. Um, well, because we covered a lot and then we do talk about who might have a reason to see or touch your private parts. And they all chime in my mommy, my Tati, my doctor. And I tell them, I said, is it a secret when you're at the doctor? No. Is it a secret when you're in the shower and you need a towel and there's no towels left and your mother brings you a towel? Oh, no, it's not. It's not a secret. We talk about it. What's okay? What's okay touch? And we use the words, one second, we use the words okay and not okay. We don't use the words good or bad. We use the words okay or not okay, right? We want them to understand what's not okay. And we talk about how this girl is feeling sitting on her mother's lap at the doctor. But again, we really, really stress and point out that, um, Touching is never a game, and touching is never a secret. It is never a game, and it is never a secret, and it is an automatic do tell. And then I really like to point out in this picture, because this kind of goes to what Debbie's talking about, about not okay touch, right? And we talk about what's not okay. This is bullying, obviously. But this picture, I like to point out specifically, and I walk around, and I ask them to describe her face and her feelings and how she feels, And because um, he's not touching her. He's just talking to her in a way. Or he's standing too close to her in a way that's making her feel 
uncomfortable. And that is an automatic do tell. Mm -hmm. You know, do tell, do tell, do tell. And then we get into um, the importance of secrets. Secrets are never okay. I just want one little thing. Yeah. The, there are the three rules. One is touching is never a game, even if someone says it is. Touching is never a secret. And anybody who ever tells a child a secret to say, don't right. tell your mommy and Tati, right. it's an automatic. I'm about to get to that, yeah. And the third, oh, sorry. The third okay. one is that you can say no to anybody. Correct. We want you to know that as a mommy, I'm telling you, you can say no to a big brother. You could say no to a sister. You could say no to a friend who you go someplace and they want to play a touching game. You can say no. You can say no to anybody, to a rabbi, to anybody. When it comes to touching, talking about, or looking at your body, you can say no to anybody. And you can't ask anybody to touch or look at or talk about your body. You can't ask them to do that. And so that's what we look at. You can't tell anybody to look or touch or talk about your body and you can't do it to anybody else. So, so and I said, we go through a whole thing about secrets and how secrets are never okay. Even if someone threatens you and that they're good and they scare you. And in my house, we have a rule. If you t someone tells you a secret and tells you never to tell and you do tell, you get a prize. Telling is important. Um, we go into, we go into secrets a little bit, just like Debbie said. And then we really go into, what do you do if you're, who, who, who do you tell? Like I, mom, one, one could raise their hand. Who do I tell? So we talk, we go through it. And this is the other piece of homework that I give them. And I tell them, I tell them, I say, you have to go home tonight and you have to ask your Tati and your mommy, who can you trust? We do also, I do when I'm, when I'm doing this after Pesach, I do stress a little bit more camp, depending on the age, having a plan when you're in camp, if someone's making you feel uncomfortable in camp, how do you let your parents know? Um, a code word, a family emergency code, whatever it might be, specifically an overnight camp, and your parents are far away and you really don't have anybody there that you trust that you could tell, having a way to tell them. We do do that a lot when we when I do safety kit after Pesach. Otherwise, it's pretty far away and they might not remember. Um, but we do talk about who can be your trusted adults in school. But you have to ask your parents. You can't decide for yourself. Which of your older, maybe it's an older sibling that your parents trust. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's not. Maybe you think you could trust your uncle, but your parents don't. You have to discuss it with them. You have to discuss it with them so that so that um, it's a, they know who you can call and who you could speak to. So before we sign off, I just want to once again say again that I believe on May 12th, Rosh Chodesh Sivan, Debbie is going to be presenting um, more information, um, helpful, helpful, unbelievable information for parents. I also want to... Um, um, we, I feel like it was a little bit of a crash course, but I hope everybody got what we were, the message that we're trying to give. Um, and, and again, if you're in Crown Heights or not, like I actually had a, a physical a therapist in Olaytera come over to me today from SLAP. She's like, how do I get safety kit in my school? I was like, call Debbie Fox. Um, if you don't have it in your community, if you're watching me somewhere else, contact them, see what you could do. Um, cause it's, it's invaluable, but I do want to point out one more thing. And I hope some administrators from the schools are listening to me also. It's only where it really works its best when we do it year after year after year, starting in preschool, going into elementary. That's how it works. It's best. That's where it has its greatest impact. And, and, and we need, we need help. We need parents to help. We need parents to volunteer. And, um, and, and yeah, that's, I really appreciate everybody who chimed in tonight. It's amazing. Anything you want to add, Debbie, please? Um, just and it's always point. a pleasure seeing you. 
Uh, always great to work with you, Ruthie. Um, I want to say that that I hope that you all picked up Ruthie's approach and what you see is the normative way she speaks about things. There was nothing that she said that was frightening to anybody. It was just engaging. And that's what we want. That's how we want you to communicate about it. One little thing that I want to end with in terms of a parent, just a really important thing. We stress so much, do tell, because things can happen. Big people, little kids, or older child, little child, things can happen. But the most important thing is they tell you, because if, you, if they tell you, then you can stop it from happening again. That's what's most important, is that your children be able to tell you whatever happened. And the one little hint I'm going to give you is, make sure you know how to listen. Don't say, how could you say that? That couldn't have happened. Don't get hysterical. He did what? You tell me what did he do? I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Don't know hysteria. They're scared to bring this up. Peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. Just be relaxed and you focus on listening. Don't even focus on problem solving. If your child is do telling, you do listen. Just listen. Let your child know you hear him. That's it. That's it. Good night, everyone. Now what do I do? Good night.